podcast my name is Andy Robinson and I'm a leader of Lifespring Church and the founder of Waymaker International Charity and Zambian NGO I'm also a blogger and you may know me from social or video media as the big C in me in January 2023 I was diagnosed with stage 4 bowel cancer and as part of that journey I've met some amazing people some were already good friends others were people I'd met briefly in the past and some were new friends that I've made since being diagnosed and all of them have been an incredible support to me in different ways and my hope is that we can get them on this podcast to chat and uh, they may be able to support others who are on this journey too but before we speak to them over the coming weeks I thought it might be helpful for me to share my story first the diagnosis part and then as a separate episode the prognosis the surgeries the chemo and everything else I guess as I was to start my story uh, with a little bit of fun, um, it was twas the night before Christmas and it was a bright and cold winter morning right before Christmas 2022 and I'd met my best friend of 30 years, Nick, for a coffee to discuss his forthcoming wedding. As his best man, there was much to discuss and plan Nick's excitement for his wedding, his new bride and his future was evident as he talked and his Italian heritage spilled over as he got more and more excited and animated and inevitably got louder and louder too. Leaving that Italian deli, we walked to the best tailors uh, and men's apparel shop in town to get measured for our wedding suits and shoes, where not unsurprisingly more comedy moments and much laughter ensued, which seemed to bewilder the staff. After 30 years of friendships, of highs and lows, of arguments, apologies and forgiveness, we can be like an old married couple when we're together sometime. We banter and poke fun at each other, look to embarrass each other whenever possible, while being fiercely loyal all the time. I can genuinely say I would take a bullet for this guy, and I know he would me. As we left this suit shop, my phone rang. It was my doctor with the results for some tests that I'd taken some months before. And as I stood in the street outside of the suit shop with my best friend, the bottom fell out of my word, which is probably the wrong choice of words considering the subject matter. But that that moment, everything just stopped. Several years before, I'd had a hernia operation, which was botched. And as a result, uh, it I had some pains and I'd been rushed to hospital with uh, an ambulance on blues and twos just days after the botched operation as the surgery had introduced an infection inside my abdomen and I was admitted into the hospital and put on some seriously strong antibiotics for what was expected to be a couple of days but it ended up being a week. There was a, a real concern that sepsis would enter my femoral artery which would have been life-threatening but by the grace of God that did not happen and eventually I was sent home. However the initial scar tissue that resulted has continued to flare up from time to time resulting in pain in my abdomen and groin which is sometimes excruciating. 
it was during one of these flare-ups that the pain was so bad that I ended up in the emergency room twice in five days. And as part of the A&E's doctors questioned as they tried to make a diagnosis, one of them thought to write to my GP asking them to run uh, what they call a fit test where your poo is checked for tiny amounts of blood which can be a sign of polyps or bowel cancer the reason for this was some of the symptoms i presented with could be something other than scar tissue playing up in my hernia sadly it took three months because the gp surgery initially gave out an out of date test and then they forgot to uh, add the correct labels in the next ones the next one which meant that the lab rejected it and then finally the third time the test was usable and it was these results that was the doctor was calling me about so there I was standing in the street having been me measured for my best man suit with my phone ringing and the caller ID telling me it was the doctor he told me that the test had come back positive which was not a test for cancer only blood in your poo a positive test meant that blood was indeed present and that could mean cancer, but it could also mean polyps or something else completely. But naturally, your mind goes straight to the worst case scenario, or at least mine did. The only way to tell for sure was having what they call a colonoscopy, where uh, the doctor had told me already that he'd requested that quite urgently. As I stood there in the street, it felt like time stood still. I had so many thoughts racing around my head. Was it cancer? How would I tell Hazel, my wife? What about my two sons? How should I tell them? Should I tell them? When do I tell them? What about my parents and family? What do I say? After all, at this point, we don't know anything for sure. All we know is that there was blood in my poo. Nick, my friend, knew it was the doctor calling and he could see in my face that something was wrong. So as soon as the call was over, he wanted to know what was going on. And as I told him, we both stood there in disbelief, him not knowing what to say and me not knowing how to answer, even if he did. There was nothing to do other than hug, pats on the back, Nick telling me that God had me in his hands and that it would be OK and that he was there for me anytime for anything. It was the week before Christmas and I found myself having to drive home and tell Hazel, my wife, that the fit test was positive for blood. And then after Christmas, I was to have a colonoscopy. Hazel, my wife, is a clinical pharmacist, so she's very medically aware of what things mean, much more so than I am. And she understands the possible outcomes of things I'm often blissfully unaware of. As I told her, the shock was evident, but... She was so supportive, caring and comforting as we discussed the options. We decided not to tell anyone at this point. We didn't know anything for sure. And it was going to be a long Christmas managing the stress and anxiety and battling the dark thoughts that sometimes came, particularly at night and waiting, lots and lots of waiting. On the 4th of January, I had my scheduled colonoscopy. And for those who have not had the pleasure, the process begins the day before when you drink what can only be described as industrial strength laxatives. Discretion prevents me from sharing too much more about that part of the process. But needless to say, by the time of the colonoscopy, there is nothing in your bowels at all. The colonoscopy is not as uncomfortable as it sounds as you are slightly sedated. It's not enough 
to know what's going on. Like, sorry, it's it's not enough to know what's going on, but enough to feel uh, very little as the cameras, etc., were pushed where the sun doesn't shine. Strangely, there's a massive television in the room where the procedure is carried out, which displays to the doctors the live feed from the camera that is making its way round your bowel. Maybe I'm weird, but I could not help but look at the images. When people ask me why I watch the live feed, all I can say is I'm a bloke, there was a TV and I couldn't help myself. It was not like there was anything else going on to take my mind off it. Now, I'm in no way medical and I have no real idea of what I was watching on the TV feed. But very quickly, as the camera was in what I now know to be the sigmoid colon, I could see something that did not look right. In fact, two things seemed out of place, things that looked like they should not be there. The procedure continued, sending the camera around my entire bowel till on its way back it stopped again in the sigmoid colon to take biopsies. It was at this point that I rapidly concluded that things were not okay. Once it was over, I was wheeled to the recovery suite where another patient happily told me he did not see to, need to see the doctors, everything was clear. However, I was told that the consultant would come and discuss the procedure with Hazel once I telephoned her and asked her to come in to collect me. After some moments, I went to the consultation room where Hazel was already sitting and as we sat there, we held hands and I told her, prepare yourself as this is not going to be good news. I could see the blood drain from her face as I expressed what I'd seen and the fact that the doctor wanted to speak to us both and it didn't bode well. Eventually, the doctor came in and explained that there were two growths very close together in the sigmoid colon that he believed to be cancer. He said that the biopsy needed to confirm it, but he explained that he'd been doing the job for 30 years and he was pretty sure it was cancer. And that moment, with the shock and devastation of hearing about the big C, for the first time, Hazel and I sat there not knowing what to do next. How, However, for me, in that moment, came the presence of God right there in that split second of bewilderment came the peace of God something in me changed from fear to a sense of peace that should not be possible in that circumstance the Bible talks about a peace that passes understanding that will guard your heart and I have to say that has been my story from that first day I've experienced a peace that defies understanding. It's a peace that provides grace for each day, but one has to work on focusing only on today because there's grace for today. And my experience is that anxiety and fear come from when we bring things from tomorrow into today where there is only enough grace for the things that are already in today. And I'll explain more maybe in another podcast. But that was the peace I had. As we drove home and talked, I could see that Hazel was struggling with the bombshell that had just dropped. This journey has taught me that it's harder on the spouse and the whole family sometimes as they watch someone they love, like me, hearing the news of the big C, as many people call it. When it's happening to you, somehow it's different. You're involved in every discussion, every scan, every blood test, but they have to watch from the sidelines, which is really hard. As I say, with the diagnosis of the big C came a peace that defied understanding, but also an understanding that cancer was not, in fact, the big C. 
Jesus Christ is the big C. The Bible says in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he is the big C in me. For those of you who follow me on social media, you recognize where I get my handle from, the big C in me. I now have that verse or will very shortly have that verse tattooed on my left forearm as a constant reminder that the that he is bigger than cancer. He's bigger than anything that this world might throw at me. In those early days, I was continually asked, did I have faith for my healing? And my honest reply at that time was no. It was not that I did, did not believe that God could heal me, but I was not certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that he would. Hebrews 1.1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and not yet seen. So if the question was, did I have an absolute assurance of my healing? I had to be honest and say that I did not. However, I did have an absolute assurance that God was good all the time. There was no doubt in my mind about that. And I'll unpack that some more and maybe in some coming podcasts. But without questions, I knew he is good and I knew that he would do good to me. I had no idea what that would look like. Would he miraculously heal me? Would medicine heal me? In truth, I believed it would be a combination of both the best of Jesus and the best of medicine has been a phrase that I've stolen from my friend Paul Manwaring. My prayer was that I wanted all of Jesus. My trust is in him. But I also believe that God has given medicine, skilled doctors, nurses, surgeons and researchers as part of his common grace to mankind. I, I don't believe that medical healing is a second, second class healing to a miraculous one. I want the best of Jesus and the best of medicine. For me, the hardest part of receiving a cancer diagnosis was was not hearing that I had cancer. I had peace for that. But how would I tell my family, friends and co-workers? I'd seen firsthand how it impacted Hazel and she'd been a bigger part of the process over the previous months. But we had not told the family that I was even having tests. So this would be a bolt out of the blue for all of them. The first conversation the very next day after the diagnosis was with my fellow Lifespring elders at our weekly meeting. They knew that I was having a procedure the day before and so obviously the first question I was asked was how did the procedure go yesterday? I decided on a direct approach and replied not well. You never want this answer when you politely ask someone how are you? The answer we're all looking for is I'm fine and we can all just carry on with our day. However, this time my answer was not the answer anyone wanted, including me. Nonetheless, the facts were the facts. I had bowel cancer and one thing I knew for sure was these men, my fellow elders, had my back. I knew that they would metaphorically circle the wagons, fight for and fight with me through this massive battle. And of course they did and continue to do so. Of course they prayed for me and there were two things that I distinctly remember and that was them praying for peace uh, and for speed, that everything would happen as fast as medically possible. And those two things continued to be answered almost every day. One of the prayers was, as we prayed as a team, was that the scans that I needed for them to determine the next steps would happen quickly. And what do you know? At the end of our prayer time, my phone rang and it was a hospital asking me to go in the very next day for an MRI. It was like God was answering our prayers real time. 
at that time they were the only people other than Hazel that knew. And so I asked them to keep the circle of people uh, who knew very small, their wives, but no more. The only reason was that I'd not told my family and I wanted time to do that. I explained that I had no intention of keeping this quiet. I decided that once the family knew, we could tell the church and the world. And this is where the big C in me was conceived on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube and TikTok but I wanted to tell my family first. I have two amazing sons, Tom and Eddie, both love Jesus and married to amazing Christian women. And Eddie has two children whom I adore and happy to say that I'm wrapped around their little fingers. My parents are still alive in their 80s, still loving and serving Jesus in their local church. Very sprightly, I have to say. I also have two sisters, Kathy and Rachel, whom I love dearly. Kathy's married to Jad and they have two girls, Georgia and Gabby. Now, this is where it gets a little bit complicated as my sister Rachel is married to Hazel, my wife's brother, who is also called Andy. I know you couldn't make it up, could you? They both serve in their local churches, as do their two children, Grace and Billy. We're a very close family and spend much time together, mostly laughing and messing about. We're fiercely loyal and would take a bullet for each other without thinking about it. And it was the same when we were growing up. You mess with my sisters, you mess with me. So there I was, having had tests that no one knew about, a colonoscopy that no one knew about, and now a cancer diagnosis that no one knew about. By this stage, we'd received a formal diagnosis, which was even more serious than we'd initially thought. The cancer was stage four and had metastasized or spread to my liver. And there was possibly a a, a spot on my lung too. But there are uncertainties about that. How do you have that conversation with your 80-year-old parents, your own children and siblings? There's no manual for that. We decided our priority would be to have individual face-to-face chats with our boys. And as Tom and Steffi, his wife, lived near us, we started with them asking if they wanted to return for a coffee after a church evening meeting I think they knew something was wrong but accepted the invitation we got some drinks and started the conversation with those horrible words we've some bad news to share with you we went on to explain the story of symptoms tests colonoscopy and the devastating diagnosis for stage four bowel cancer there is nothing you can do to make that kind of news more palatable easier to hear or less painful to comprehend We decided to be short but detailed in our explanation as we felt there would be plenty of time afterwards to get into the minute details of everything. There were many questions and for Tom and Steffi it was mostly a stunned response in the moment. In the days and weeks that followed there were many more conversations and questions as you'd expect. On the other hand Eddie and his wife Chloe were far more emotional in the moment. There were lots of questions of course and many tears, lots of hugs and assurances that I was okay stressing that I was confident that God was always good and that my circumstances were not a reflection of his goodness but a result of living in a fallen world a broken world and again maybe we'll talk about that in a future podcast too having spoken to them more recently they have all said it was my attitude stability and security in Jesus that they all look to most Tom has often said, if dad's okay, if he's peaceful and confident in a good God, then where else can we be other than confident in God too, standing and believing with him? Telling my parents was a whole nother story. 
that was the conversation I was not looking forward to. Not because it would be difficult, but because as a father myself, you never want to consider that you might outlive your son. I've already said that we're a very close family, which is true, but my friendship with my dad is super special to me and to him, and I knew this news would be especially hard for him. The plan was to travel to Essex, where they live, and have the same face-to-face conversations we'd have with our boys. However, that was not how it worked out, thanks to mum. My parents and I have frequent video calls, especially me and my dad, and so after we had told the kids and before we'd set a date to go and see mum and dad, I was on a video call with him. Unusually, mum was in the room when the call started, and dad, as he often did, asked me how I was. I replied, as stone-faced as possible, I'm fine. And my mum suddenly joined in and asked if I was sure. I said that I was. And then mum, very uncharacteristically, said, I'm going to ask you again, how are you? There's nowhere to go after that. As only a mother can, she knew something was up and I was not telling them. So I was left with no choice but to say I was not fine at all. And I wanted to come and see them face to face. But as mum had discerned that something was wrong and called it out, there was nothing I could do other than tell them then and there on the video call. I explained all that had gone on, what the diagnosis was and what the treatment going forward would be. At that moment, it seemed to me like a bit of a role reversal. Dad responded how I expected mum to respond. And mum responded how I thought dad would. He had his head down and was in tears, trying to be strong, but overwhelmed by the whole situation. Mum was stoic. Well, she said, that's not okay. And we need to pray to the God who heals and believe him for your recovery and for your life. Of course, we talked and talked about the whole process, diagnosis, treatment plans, but mostly we just wept together, prayed together, and then stood firm on the goodness of God together. Both my sisters lived miles away, and so I had to call them, which was hard. I'm the eldest. Kathy is 18 months younger than me, and Rachel is five years younger than me. And as I said, we're a tight family. We love laughing and joking and ribbing each other. So making a call like this was very hard for me, and it would be difficult to hear too. Kathy was my first call. It's always difficult when you call Kathy. There's always lots of words, lots of volume and fun in the first 30 seconds. My brother-in-law was also in the room listening on speaker and he yelled, do you have a date to take me to Africa yet? As we discussed him coming to see the school Waymaker, my charity had built. I responded to that by asking if they were sitting down and then shared the news. Silence. Not something you would normally associate with my sister Kathy, but the shock was palpable. The inevitable tears came, as did the many questions. However, we are close and so Kathy just said, we will fight this thing together. And I, uh, I rallied as I knew she would. Rachel, my youngest sister's far more measured and sensible. She's the smart one of the three of us. She's the head teacher of a primary school. And so that call, while still difficult, still as devastating and, and still a hard conversation to hear and to have, was far more measured. There were more questions about details of the diagnosis and equally the prognosis. She wanted to know everything about the cancer and everything about the treatment. And I was very happy to share what I knew at that point. It was a massive relief to know that my family finally knew what was going on with me. The whole process of the family took several weeks, which I found really hard given my personality. I hated things being under under wraps and not being able to be completely honest with people. I was really looking forward to going public, just putting it out there with nothing hidden. 
we decided along with my fellow elders that we would record a video or I would whilst I would introduce it as we gathered at our special church meeting we felt it better to auto cue and record a video to make sure I could say everything I wanted to say and not get caught up in the emotion of sharing it with the church the other advantage was the video could be shared with all of the churches worldwide that I'm involved with as part of the leadership team of Christ Central Churches as you can imagine it was a very emotional meeting with 100 plus people in attendance Suddenly, out of nowhere, one of the church leaders, i.e. me, was sharing that they had stage four bowel cancer. There were many tears. Some people were very upset, whilst others were more in shock than anything else. Having shown the video, I was able to reassure everyone that God is good all the time, that this disease that had assaulted my body was not a reflection of his goodness. I was able to share how the peace of God had literally invaded my very being and that every day I woke knowing that he was good, that he was with me. His rod and his staff, they comforted me as his peace enabled me to lie down in green pastures and genuinely feel safe in his presence. This has been my story and the following uh, podcast that I'll do next week uh, will, I hope in a way, Um, help you see the prognosis and will help in your life journey no matter what life throws at you but thanks for listening i hope you've enjoyed this podcast if you wouldn't mind subscribing um, and giving us a thumbs up or dropping us a nice comment um, that would be so great and uh, next time i'll explain much more about the prognosis what happened next what uh, operations i've had how the chemo has worked and all that kind of good stuff but for now it's goodbye and thanks for listening